Welcome to Dispatch in Depth, where we give you the stories behind the science of emergency dispatch. This is an official podcast of the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch, the world's leading authority in dispatch science. I'm your host, Becca Barris, writer and copy editor for the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. In each episode, we'll be bringing you stories of the fascinating people who work in this area. We'll give you their backstory, including how they got there, what they're working on, and what drew them to the field. These are people who represent the cutting edge in emergency dispatch, and I hope you'll join us to hear more about them. Welcome to Dispatch in Depth. Today we're talking about using video technology in the Emergency Communication Nurse System, or ECNS, to better triage low-acuity medical calls. On the line to give their expertise are Dr. Conrad Fivaz, President of Priority Solutions, Inc. and Chair of the ECNS Council of Standards, Ellen Edwards, Senior Professional Practice Educator for Clinical Support Desk at Welsh Ambulance Service, and Dr. Mike Brady, Consultant Clinician, NHS 111. Between them, they have over 50 years in nursing and emergency response experience and have successfully brought about the implementation of this technology for the Welsh Ambulance Service NHS Trust. Welcome, Conrad, Ellen, and Mike. Uh, Hi, thanks for having us. So, to begin with, could you each please give a quick rundown of your career path? How did you get into emergency services? Ellen, let's start with you. So I qualified back in 2006, trained as an adult nurse and worked in all areas of nursing, emergency nursing, ITU, etc. But then moved over to Southwestern Ambulance Service on the clinical support desk, working with Mike as my line manager at the time. Then moved off to work into education and then came back to Welsh Ambulance Service as the senior practice educator for the clinical support desk, supporting with the implementation. Incredible. Mike? Yeah, so I uh, qualified as a paramedic in 2010. I was on the first graduate paramedic course in Wales at Swansea University. And then I moved over to Great Western Ambulance Service and started as a rapid response paramedic. So I spent most of my time out in the community as an RRV medic. Decided to start a PhD in 2012 into paramedics perceptions of child safeguarding. That's where uh, I started my research career, moved into remote clinical decision-making, telephone triage, and then started getting involved in education and implementation of systems as well. I moved over to Welsh Ambulance in 2019, late 2019, which just saw us integrating and implementing low code with ECNS. So they just dumped you right in, it sounds like. Well, that and COVID, yeah. That was, <laughs> was going to be my uh, next yeah. thing. As if, <laughs> as if a global pandemic wasn't enough, you're also helping pioneer this incredible technology. And then, Conrad, how about you? I qualified as a physician in 1995 and started a master's in family medicine. And at the time, the Department of Family Medicine was running the emergency departments. So worked in a very busy emergency department attached to a tertiary teaching hospital and also worked on the flight for life helicopter service based out of Pretoria in South Africa. After qualifying, I got involved with a company that developed nurse triage protocols out of California, late 1998. And I was part of the group of authors that authored the current protocols that's used within the ECNA system. 
subsequently moved to the UK where I worked as a family physician and part-time being involved with the creation and maintenance of the protocols, as well as the implementation internationally. So, Conrad, since you are the chair of the ECNS Council of Standards and you were involved in writing ECNS, essentially, how did the idea of adding video technology to ECNS software, which is low code, how did that come about? So I think a couple of things, just to to backtrack a little bit. When physicians examine patients, they try and use as many sensors as possible. With telephonic triage, we were limited by not only the technology, but also the fact that we could only use one sense, which is our hearing. So we focused a lot on the teaching of clinicians on how to do active listening over the phone. With the evolution of technology, it opened up other avenues for us to use more of our senses, including the visual sense. And that was kind of a no-brainer for us to add that. The benefits of just having eyes on a on a patient to get a general impression as something they taught us at medical school, observe your patients as they enter your examination room. You can learn a lot from just looking at a patient. When we talked earlier, one of you made the comparison that triaging medical calls over the phone is like doing it blindfolded. And you all have experience in the field, so you all know what it's like to have that sense with you. And then you also know what it's like not to have it and to have to use just your hearing and just your active listening to triage it. I imagine that's quite difficult. When I sort of teach this to, to people and we discuss it, I, I ask, you know, clinicians who've been qualified for years, when was the last time you asked a patient, are they blue around the lips? And they, well, I don't know, I see them right in front of me. Okay, next question. When was the last time you asked a patient if they're pale or mottled? And it's at that stage that they start to understand, wow, okay, or that smell of a particular pathology or something like that. It it is really quite difficult, but, you know, there are tools out there that can help augment that practice and and low-code is one of them. Yes, absolutely. So, Mike, when we were talking about your career, you mentioned starting with Welsh Ambulance in 2019, specifically to help implement this technology. How did Welsh Ambulance Service decide to make use of this? Make use of the video or make use of low code? Make use of the video. Okay, so... Welsh Ambulance is constantly on a, a path of attempting to improve, standardise, modernise. And so when I joined, we were at the sort of the beginning of looking at what are the options available. We currently host the MPDS system for which Welsh Ambulance is a national ACE centre, a centre of accredited excellence. And so we landed on low code. But low code was only part of it. So low code comes with not just the teleguides, the algorithms that support clinicians, but it comes with integration with our CAD system. It comes with the integration with the MPDS system. It allows us, you know, to use various features. And so we wanted to expand and, you know, sweat the assets as much as we could, get as much out of it as as possible, recognizing that we still don't know very much about video consultation. In addition to implementing the video technology, what kind of policies were implemented in the organization? We worked really hard on the policies related to this and we wanted to make sure that our clinicians were able to confidently utilize the functionality that was available, but also felt 
supported and had guidance on when to use it, when not to use it, the benefits of using it and enabling them to to feel supported by the organization. So we developed a standard operating procedure document that we released when we started using video and that has really helped our clinicians to feel confident and embrace this very different way of working which they're not used to doing. Yes, exactly. It's difficult to take any kind of call over the phone, whether it's, you know, a call to get an ambulance or a low acuity medical call. So, you know, we're talking a sprain or a rash or something like that. But it's extra difficult when it's brand new technology and there aren't very many other centers in the world using this. So it's so important for your clinicians to know that they are supported by the organization and that when they make a decision, it is supported by the organization. I think a lot of our clinicians as well, when you train as a clinician, when you develop those skills, you learn that innate gut feeling of what you see. And when they moved into remote clinical decision making, they moved away and got used to not needing to use that part of their skill set. So to then reintroduce it, but in a different way, I think was quite daunting for a lot of our clinicians. And actually, it was when they started using it and started realizing the benefits that it really, really took off. I've used it myself as a clinician triaging patients, and it it was just amazing being able to see who I was talking to and for them to see me, but also to be able to assess the situation and assess the room at the same time as assessing the patient. It was like having your blindfold taken off for sure. That's really cool. And like we talked about, this is kind of the way that the world is heading where you're not just going to be talking to people on the phone anymore. You have FaceTime and things like that. So to have it in this clinical setting is invaluable, especially when wait times for ambulances are so long. I know that that's a problem in Wales right now. It's a problem in America, Ireland, the UK, just pretty much everywhere. So in the situations where you can take the low acuity calls, the calls that aren't super time sensitive, they're not super life sensitive, but you know, they you still need attention. It is helpful to know with more of a surety that there doesn't need to be an ambulance sent there that you can see and you can see the conditions the patient is in. And you're like, okay, they're going to be all right if, you know, we tell them to go to the GP, if we tell them to go to the emergency room. So let's back up a second. What kind of medical calls is the video chat technology used for? A lot of the cases that our clinicians have been using them on It can range. It can range from patients on the floor. It can range from rashes, injuries, breathing problems, pediatric cases. But it can also be used when you just have that gut feeling where you've done your assessment, you've done your triage, you know what you want to do, but you just want that eyes on and you just want to go. You want that reconfirmation of what you've heard, what you've thought, what you've decided. And that's where a lot of our clinicians have utilised it. This is a really interesting space as well, because Welsh Ambulance Service are using low code in a, in a novel way. And you mentioned the long wait. So we'll use low code for a range of acuities for all types of, of codes, for, you know, various different weight welfares, triages. And so it might be, as Ellen said, actually just to get 
eyes on. It might be because actually everybody's emergency is emergency to them. So the way they describe my fingers hanging off, that's not to underplay how they're feeling in their situation. But when we look at it as seasoned clinicians, you know, we think, okay, so that's really, that, that is challenging for you right now, but actually I'm really quite comfortable as a clinician that that, that is not as time sensitive. I think there's a lot of this that, that we just don't know. So there's a lot in this space that we're learning really early on. In the United Kingdom, less than 1% of a general practitioner, family doctor consultations happen over video. So for us in this emergency space from high acuity right down to low acuity, we're, we're learning ourselves. What does this bring? And there are existent challenges with that. We have lighting, we have camera phone issues, we have skin opacity, we have rashes, we have usability. So we're learning what kind of calls that we're using it on, but we are just generating a bit of a uh, a bit of a working concept around a piece of research for us to better understand which cases, which MPDS codes, which patient types of how long they're waiting, what type of conditions they're calling with, video can make a, a meaningful impact. Because, you know, I don't need to see somebody who's pale to let me know that their blood pressure is low. I can ask them a range of questions and we've been doing that as clinicians for, for years. So it might not be the obvious things that we think, it might be something else that we look at and we think, oh, okay, that's different. I can see, you know. Yeah. And that'll be really interesting research to read for sure. And we'll have to have you back on to chat about it. Another thing I wanted to ask or point out is it sounds like the general public is also learning as well. I know that not everyone calls emergency services on the regular and you haven't announced this change to the to the general public but have you found that in the cases where you are seeing the patient on the phone and they're seeing you and we'll talk about that in a second have you found that they're more amenable to the triage that you give them you know you see that the finger's not quite hanging off so you say I think you're going to be all right or it is it is really as awful as it sounds and we're sending an ambulance as soon as we can. I think a lot can be said for the fact that the functionality in itself is really usable. I think that helps, you know, we're asking people to do something different, not only our patients, but also our clinicians. So when it's easy to use, that helps with the buy-in of our patients as well. I, I've used it with a 70-year-old gentleman who was able to use it on their mobile phone. And I think that really, really does help. But also seeing the clinician, seeing the person that they're speaking to, that personable approach, mm. that knowing that the person that they're speaking to is a paramedic, is a nurse, and also the reassurance for the clinician that the person they're speaking to is the person it should be. And face-to-face -face is always the optimum. Face-to-face -face is always going to be the best way to do it. And, and this is utilising the technology that we have available to us to be able to achieve that in the best way that we can and the most efficient way that we can. It's a level of connection that we take for granted every day, right? Where, you know, you see people face to face and you connect and you have that body language. And a lot of dispatchers I've talked to, they feel like they're just a bodiless voice on a phone, right? And so this adds back in that element of humanity. So I want to do so many studies on your center. I want to do so many studies on what you're doing. Just because people are rude to customer service clinicians and technicians all the time. But I wonder if seeing a person's face makes people less 
aggro. Yeah. It's interesting because everybody's six foot tall over the phone. We <laughs> teach that in our customer service element that um, the, the lack of face-to-face and there's an element of that. You know, video is is not to replace the clinical questioning. It is very often when I've used it, I turned it on for 30 seconds. Thank mm. you. I can see the laceration over the eye. That's all I needed because actually the protocol set of my clinical questions, my gut feeling, all of that is enough actually, but that added that element onto it. And we haven't announced it on publicly, you know, we've done some bits and, you know, we've done all the, the, the formal stuff in terms of our privacy notices and our regulations and stuff. But there is an element of trust here. You know, I'm sure we've all told our relatives and friends, oh, somebody sent you a text and you click the link, don't click that link. But actually we're on the phone during that clinical interaction and we're saying to them, I'm just going to send you this text message. It'll say it's from Welsh Ambulance. Can you give it a click? And I've not had one person, similar age range to Ellen's patient, who said no. We've had, oh, you know, that's a great picture of your nose. Can you, you know, press the button on the on the right that turns the camera around? Uh, you know, a little bit of that. But there is an element of trust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can turn the cameras on and off. So, you know, we don't need it all of the time. But very often I'll, they'll say, yes, absolutely, come see. And we're entering into their domain. And I think there's an element of of that. So, you know, we've done a lot of work around where our clinicians sit in contact centres. We have homeworking clinicians. And in order to be one of those, our, our rules are quite clear about, you know, the type of room and, you know, you're not working at a Starbucks, you're in a confined space. And even when our clinicians are working at home, if they're video trained, they've got uniform on. So they sat in their back bedroom at the desk with their uniform on. So you get that portrayal. I find that really interesting that we're asking people to perhaps give a little bit of something that is completely not even thought about it when you open the door to the paramedics and nurses and they come in and and dress your wounds or, or whatever, do your diabetes test. But there is just an element there that I find really interesting. We have also brought in backgrounds as well. So when we do portray our video and and share our video, we've got a corporate background in as well. So it again enforces that professionalism and that the person that they're speaking to, it can be done from wherever such as remote workers because we have that background. And it also encloses the conversation a little bit as well and makes them feel like they are only talking to that person which they are but it resells that to them they can see that and i think also with the some of the standard operating procedures Anna was talking about earlier on about we're really clear about which cases are not appropriate for for video consultation so whilst you know somebody may have a a burn for example at the top of their thigh having dropped a cup of tea or something you know that's in an area that i wouldn't expect staff and we, we lay that out quite clearly so it, it just again it builds that element of i would like to see you in clinic I'd, I'd send you an ambulance i'd send you to the minor injury unit or something like that it builds that that trust back into one of those senses that is that is lost it's you're right it is right for research something that is really exciting about it as well that we haven't quite touched on is the opportunity that it has for people who aren't able to engage in telephone consultation specifically so our service users with additional needs people with sensory issues that struggle to talk on the telephone for long periods of time people who are hard of hearing it gives us a functionality that means that we're not having to send ambulances to people just because we can't talk to them on the phone we're able to talk to them on the phone there's text functionality within the video component so we're able to send them messages and it just enables 
so much more access to people who may not have had that opportunity. And then again, with people with learning needs and, and special educational needs, for them to engage with you, they can see you, they can lip read, all of those factors are available to you, which up until now wouldn't have been an option. Right. So it sounds like you use common sense. Your clinicians use common sense where Mike was talking about, you know, sometimes you only need that video for 30 seconds or like Ellen, you were saying, if someone is hard of hearing, you can text them or you can call the video call and have them read your lips. It's a lot more than just being able to see someone's face, but that is part of why it's so important. So let's walk through a typical ECNS call. At what point would you decide to use the video feature? And we kind of already talked about this and I was going to say, and what does it look like? It's bi-directional, right? So they can see you, you can see them. We talked about the professional backgrounds. Is there anything else we've missed as far as prominent features go? One of the other features that's quite useful is the capability of the software to allow a conferencing capability for another clinician or physician to join the the conversation with the patient. And what types of situations would that happen in? So let's say, for example, you are talking to a patient with a, a mental health need. At that point in the Welsh Ambulance Service, they have mental health practitioners that's working on the desk and you can conference call one of those with that speciality into your conference call with the patient. I'd also like to see potentially at some stage in the future of using that conference function for some of what Ellen was talking about, like British Sign Language. It allows us to potentially, if we can get over that first challenge sometimes about that initial connect, you know, there might be an opportunity there to make sure that we have parity. So we're able to offer a very similar service to everybody who enters. And I think we're only a few months down the line so far, but there are a few other ways that we can get into this. Are there currently other language translation capabilities with this software? So if someone calls in and they're speaking, you know, a different language, if they're speaking Welsh, A, do you have dispatchers or clinicians that speak Welsh that can take those calls? Or is there, you know, a third party service that you can call in to have translate back and forth? Yeah, so if it's Welsh as an example, we, we do have, we know who's on shift across Wales who's a Welsh speaker. Mm-hmm. Where possible, we do try. If patients are contacting, you know, wanting to speak Welsh as their first language, we do try. And then we, we can use Language Line, which is, you know, one of many services available. So there is an app that functions alongside the software. It's called Flag Me. What capabilities does that have? What abilities does that give you in addition to seeing the patient? It's not an app, actually, Rebecca. It's within low code. There's a button on the toolbar along the top, which the clinician can press at any point from the minute they launch the case within low code. And that will take them through to a It's cloud-based, I believe, and that takes you through to the website, which will then send the information over and the text through to the patient or through to the the telephone number. So there's no actual extra functionality anyone has to download or has to have access to. They can just, they'll receive the message through and as providing that they've got internet access and a camera on their phone, it should work. And that actually makes it 
so good for our clinicians. They don't need to leave low code and go into a different system to use it. Everything is there in front of them and accessible to them, which is just fantastic for just usability, really. Yeah. So it's all baked in. It's just all there, all the pieces you need. Conrad? Flagme also have a location capability, a very accurate location capability. And in Europe you and in the rest of the world, you can download the Flagme app okay. for certain of those aspects, certain of the functionality, for example, the location, also video, etc. But we don't expect any of our patients or callers to have access to the app, as Alan explained. Okay, so there is an app, but that's not what it's about. For us, that's most important. So patients don't have to find something in a store and download before they can interact with it. Our clinicians don't have another password on top of another password about trying to log on to something here or, or there. I think it's probably fair to say, you know, this example, we could probably get going with the video in about 15 seconds. Which is, is amazing. And that's why you guys have won so many awards so far. Two, almost three awards. <laughs> Ellen's laughing, but you know it's true. We've talked about this video technology giving clinicians just like a really a quick flash or reconfirming what it is they're triaging. Has it helped with a sense of closure in calls at all, do you think? I think for me, when I've used it, and again, it'd be really great to actually do some qualitative work with clinicians over this. And there has been some published already, but it depends when you use it in the call. If you use it for that, right, show me that laceration, that's okay. But perhaps it's a medical call and you're quite happy you're sending the, the patient off to the pharmacist or their general practitioner, or, or perhaps you're on the fence at saying whether you need this type of ambulance versus another ambulance, or maybe you're on the fence between the emergency department versus minor injury unit. Then sometimes, you know, I, I've just put the camera on and said, can we just have a 30 minute talk over the camera i'd like to see if and you see somebody who's running around picking up a bag and you know they're really well perfused and all of it and and so although you're comfortable in your decision that you've made ask the questions it can either reaffirm the decision making just by bringing that extra sense or you might sit and say actually i do think you're suitable for minor injury unit over you know ed or, or something like that so i think it it just augments it adds a little bit of extra yeah, yeah. And it all not it doesn't all come down to the gut feeling, right? But it, it makes use of that gut feeling that you develop over the years as a clinician, right? Because to be able to take ECNS calls at Welsh Ambulance Service, you have to be a registered nurse, correct? We're the only ECNS centre in the world using paramedics. Oh, okay. At Welsh Ambulance, we, we have a very strict set of criteria of the type of clinicians that we're happy to use uh, this software. So there are experienced clinicians, nurses and paramedics, many of whom have either fully completed or are near completion of what we call our band six competencies. So there are additional competencies. And of course, we've got Ellen's team who are a dedicated uh, Q team. So they're supported by practice educators with audits. So we have a mix of nurses paramedics and as Conrad said earlier on mental health practitioners as well right so but all people with field experience so it's not just people who have applied and you know gotten the job and trained to be a telecommunicator right so only over the phone they also have experience out in the fields taking care of patients 
so either in the field or as a nurse with very often a, a range of backgrounds and we interestingly for this conversation we call it because you need to visualize your patients you need to shut your eyes and speak to them on the phone and think i've right i've got susan on the phone i've seen susan a thousand times here's what she looks like here's the questions i'm going to ask and that does come with a level of experience that that really you need we do ask for five years post-registration experience and as as Mike said definitely a range of experience from a nursing perspective a lot of our nurses come from A&E backgrounds we do have some dual trained nurses on the on the desk who are either also pediatrics or maternity it really does depend on the fit as well because you know we are mindful that remote clinical decision making and and telephone assessment isn't not everybody can do it it's not a skill that is you know it isn't as simple as just sitting down and reading questions and things that there are some very key traits and skills that you need to have so whilst we ask for that five-year minimum experience they still may not necessarily have the skills that we need so it it is very much a, a specialist area of work Conrad, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I think what what these two neglected to say is also that the clinicians currently is running at accredited center of excellence levels of compliance, which is fantastic this early on in the program. So not only are they pioneering this technology, they're killing it is what I'm hearing. Ellen's cracking up. You can't hear, you can't see. She's on mute, but she's cracking up. So kind of wrapping up here, what should other ECNS users know about this process of integrating video into low code? We found the usability of the product really really good they should know i suppose what we know which is we we don't know a huge amount yet and you know there's the the researcher in my mind going we do need to look into this a little bit more but i would encourage you know centers to to use some element of this to to augment their their practice it's not for every single call it can't be it won't suit everybody but we've certainly found it helpful and we're hoping to to underpin some of this use with some research perhaps in the new year and i would also add to that as well you know everybody has their reservations a lot of our clinicians had their reservations but it was only when they actually took the plunge and started using it that they realized the benefits and you know it only took one time of using it and then they were hooked on using it so it is just taking that plunge and having faith in the decision makers above you that it is actually going to help i think is really important and i think the Technology allows us to get one of our senses back. So it gives us the, the ability to see our patients. And we do learn a lot from uh, just, just looking at our patients. Absolutely. So for listeners who want to learn more about this or to follow your exploits, I've made mention of a couple of awards. Where can we direct them? Where can they learn more about Welsh Ambulance Service? Where can they learn more about LowCode and ECNS and this video software? I suppose from Welsh Ambulance, you know, our comms team have advertised some of the awards that we've won so far for digital innovation, which is around the the novel use in which we're using this tool. We've published uh, an article in the Annals of Emergency Dispatch and Response. 
So in addition to the article that we published in the Annals of Emergency Dispatch and Response, we're hoping also to perhaps do some research uh, towards the end of this year, specifically around video. And, you know, we'll publicise that as, as we do with most of our other research as part of our shamblings. So if you're not sold yet, there's more research coming and you will be sold. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, research sells everything, doesn't it? <laughs> data, data, data. Spoken like a true researcher, Mike. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And if anyone's listening and they have questions about the Welsh Ambulance Service or video technology, or you want to get in touch and say, hey, let's talk about this on the podcast, go ahead and email us at dispatchindepth at emergencydispatch.org and we will get you connected with the right people. And thank you all so much for being here today. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Dispatch In Depth. Remember, it really helps if you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dispatch In Depth is hosted by me, Becca Barris. I'm also the technical director and producer, and Matthew Maiko is the executive producer. 